Hello, this is Jack Calicut, CFO of Galectin Therapeutics, and you're listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is episode 298. Everything that I do inside a business as I build it and scale it um, must be done with a financial view um, that makes it sustainable, scalable, replicable. Um, and that's the job of a CFO. Once you have demonstrated you know how to be the first CFO in a startup and, and have a successful outcome, it leads you to your next opportunity. And I've been recruited by VCs as well as CEOs. So I have different people that will contact me, some of the investors that were on the boards of other companies and say, hey, I have this opportunity. Are you interested in it? From the Middle Market Executive Digital Network, This is CFO Thought Leader, where we talk to finance leaders about driving change within their organizations. This is Jack Sweeney. On today's show, we'll be sharing the observations of multiple CFOs and venture capitalists with you about the unique role CFOs play in startups. Now, the startup path is not for every finance leader, but for some, it's the only path. We'll begin our show after these words from our sponsor. Your business is always moving forward, always innovating. To maintain your competitive edge, you need a cloud solution that's built for your state of business, where speed and agility are of paramount importance and business is constantly on the move, where you need to face the future with confidence and every insight is critical to driving your success. You're in the business of go. So are we. Explore Oracle Cloud for finance today. Visit oracle.com forward slash go. stage I'll use a really good controller for a period of time. Once I get though uh, to a place where um, I need the CFO to be more strategic. So my response to you would be, I don't think of CFO as a controller and just managing the finances. My, my CFOs sit at a strategic place inside the business where frankly they almost have to be CFO slash COO to me um, and not so much in the um, operating of the company, but they must understand every aspect of the company. Glenn Hazard, a serial firm builder, is CEO today of OPEC Networks. He's also the chairman of Zero G, a Northern Virginia venture firm that has funded multiple tech startups over the years. We asked Glenn to tell us how he would characterize the role of a startup CFO. Everything that I do inside a business as I build it and scale it um, must be done with a financial view um, that makes it sustainable, scalable, replicable. Um, and that's the job of a CFO. A CFO is a, isn't a finance function. Finance is a piece of what they do. 
the strategic guidance and understanding, they must know the business. They must understand um, customer acquisition costs, profitability by customer, um, what is the competitive landscape in terms of how we are priced versus the competition. It's a CFO, it, it is the single most important role to me as a CEO in any job I do because I rely on them to be my devil's advocate. I remind, you know, I have them there to keep me on the straight and narrow is I think we should invest in certain areas. I want them to come back at me and say, Glenn, you know, what's the return? What, what do we gain? How does that help us? Um, maybe it is a strategic investment we should make. And as I said to you before, almost all of my companies, regardless of where they start in the size, um, I have not run one company yet that hasn't gone down a path of non-organic growth at some point. And when we do that, I need a CFO at my side that helps understand and do the math with me in terms of where I think um, the value is going to be created from a financial standpoint and the time frames required, um, how I structure my deals. I don't use bankers. Um, so when I'm acquiring and how I structure those deals, how I manage my investors um, in terms of um, the key business indicators that they're going to look for. Um, that's something that a CFO does for me. Um, they're an important, important um, position with me and not in the just traditional give me the P&L and the balance sheet and talk to me about asset values and what the tax implications are and the NOLs that we're going to carry for. I, that stuff's all interesting. I, I can get a bean counter to do that stuff. Um, a CFO is really a really strategic position that I rely very heavily on in understanding the operations of my companies. Is there a uh, maybe a cultural piece here as well? You mentioned doing deals, and as you merge one company with another, to have a C-suite executive, a finance leader, uh, as these new employees integrate with the uh, the older organization, how important it is to demonstrate sort of a level of trust across the organization. Does, do you see the CFO playing a cultural role, I guess, for less of a better way of saying it? Yeah, they're clearly a part of it. They're clearly a part of it. But that, but you, you're on to actually, in my opinion, a, a, a bigger piece of this, which is, you know, the entire leadership, it's not owned by the CFO. The CFO can clearly help in, in accomplishing what you just described, but frankly, that has to start at the top. That, the entire leadership team has got to be a team that when any new folks in an organization encounter us, that, that there's a consistent cultural interaction. So to me, I'm not a consensus manager. I'm a collaborative manager. Um, you work for me. You owe me your input. Um, you know, it's got to be delivered respectfully, but you owe me a dissenting view. Um, I'm only as good as the resource that I surround myself with, and I want management. My teams have got to, you know, inculcate a set of values like that that appreciate their own people as well as any of the new people joining. Um, you know, they are our only sustainable competitive advantages in the end are the people. Um, I've run many technology companies that not necessarily 
the world's greatest technology, but we've built great companies. And I suggest we've built them on the back of committed people, dedicated people who felt um, like they were an integral part of what we're doing. And all my companies, all my people own a piece of the company uh, from the administrative folks right on through. Um, everyone owns a chunk of the company as we build these things because I need 100% of everybody's um, being in what we're trying to do. And so you CFO plays a large role, um, right, because they touch them on benefits and they touch them on a lot of things that are very personal to each one. But I would suggest to you there's a reliance here that wherever new employees in an acquisition um, engage or touch, they've got to see consistency in the way in which we think about it. So the fabric of the culture um, that you lead and that you you constantly have to be the individual or one of the individuals demonstrating those values. Um, see, those important, but they all are. I was pretty excited about uh, leading uh, another company to IPO, and uh, and and thought thought that this one was a great platform for that. You know, where what really attracted me was the following. You know, it was a very nascent market, but uh, I thought that uh, everything was going to go IP, all communication was going to go IP, and uh, there was a software company in my backyard. Uh, that w had already established itself as the worldwide leader. It led in a market that was early, uh, and it was already global, and, and both things are very attractive to me. Uh, the next thing is it was still founder-led, and so I really bought into the vision of uh, Mike Tesler and Scott Hoffauer, the co-founders, uh, who I, I think are the best strategists to this day in the industry. CFO Jim Tolan of Broadsoft telling us how he sized up the opportunity to join the firm as its CFO. Interestingly, prior to his tour of duty at Broadsoft, Jim had paired up with Glenn Hazard, who we were just listening to, from when Glenn was CEO of Netsic and Jim served uh, as his finance leader. Here's Jim as he recalls some of the drama along uh, Broadsoft's IPO path. So yeah, it's really uh, it really is a nine month process, and so and it is uh, somewhat unique in that all roads lead in and out of the CFO, and so it's sort of the ultimate from a CFO standpoint in uh, leadership and project management. When uh, our board told me, right, let's go, I came back home and. You know, my wife said, well, I'll see you in nine months, and that was just about right. And uh, and it's really because, you know, you're the center point of being able to articulate the company's financial strategy, business strategy, even the business section in the 10K, uh, how to present the company uh, to investors. Uh, it's also you got to manage the bankers. you got to manage the lawyers. Uh, it's, uh, it's almost at, at times a, a goat rodeo with, uh, so many third parties involved with what you're doing. And even when you're, uh, you're close, you file, you're still aiming at a somewhat distant target. So you're, you file, you're getting ready for the roadshow, uh, you're about to go on the roadshow, you still don't know what the market conditions are going to be like when you actually price. And so 
it's uh, and of course all your investment in terms of lawyers and bankers and time and your team and uh, socks and everything else are up front before you know you're going to get you're going to get out or not. Um, and uh, you know one of the things that happened with us, is, you know, this was back in June of 2010, is we had the flash crash in May. So we went from a frothy IPO market in March when we filed to a um, very tentative market with things like the flash crash and the beginnings of the Greek crisis. And uh, I guess the anecdote I'll share is we were um, almost at the end of the road show. We were flying from Oregon to, I think, Minneapolis for our last day. And our lead investment banker was being pretty hedged with us on, hey, we're going to price in two days, but if we don't price, we'll have uh, the two of you smile and dial investors, see if we can get that done. And um, and so I said, all right, well, if we can't get it done the first day, what happens? Well, we try to get it done the second day. And so, well, what happens if we can't get it done the second day? Well, we probably, you know, need to postpone the offering. And and uh, so I said, so when do we do it again? And uh, they said, September. And I said, okay, well, since we've done the roadshow, I presume we have to do the roadshow again. And I said, no, 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 we have to start over. And so I looked at the bank on the plane, and this is after two and a half weeks of, you know, eight to ten meetings a day, uh, next city that night, next city that night. We were just exhausted and, and tired of hearing ourselves talk. And I said, you're one of the best investment banks in the world. <laughs> we're ready. You figure out how to get us done. And we ended up getting priced on the day. But it was a very choppy. Um, and, you know, I mean, you think about our IPO. We went out at nine. We traded $7.30 to a little over nine for six months. And uh, without a lot of attention to us, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we announced our Q3 that year, our second quarter as a public company, and the stock just started moving. And, uh, you know, we were uh, in the mid-20s by the end of the year. So just, uh, you know, so we were flat for six months and then tripled in a matter of uh, really weeks. So as you said, you were an investor in Cloud Health before you arrived as part of the management team. Is that correct? That's correct. So I invested just shy of four years ago, and at the time it was truly a Series A investment. It was uh, three super smart guys with an idea and two customers. And uh, today we have over 500 direct customers, over 1,000 through our channel, 130 employees. So it was a, it's really, you know, it's obviously why uh, I got excited about joining and, and coming back on board about a year ago. More than 10 years ago, Larry Begley exited the CFO office to dedicate his days to building an early stage venture capital firm. After four tours of duty as a CFO, Begley's future career aspirations would be more than satisfied by building a successful VC firm. That is until last year when he joined Cloud Health Technologies as its CFO. And the reason I was attracted to it is the most fun I've ever had in building businesses is really at this stage, which is the very sort of hyper growth scale uh, and basically putting systems and processes uh, to be able to manage that scale. And, 
and I enjoy doing it, and, and it's it's what attracted me in a pretty significant way, along with the fact that we're a market leader and we have a huge market opportunity here, and I think there's going to be a big exit. I, I think just the nature of the work that I was going to be doing has always been the most fun I've ever, I've ever had. Well, can you tell us about some of the key additions to your team? I mean, you arrived there. What exactly did you have to do to get the team in shape and prepared for the growth that apparently is arriving? Sure. Uh, you know, and to be honest, it was a, when I arrived, uh, the finance department was one guy, um, actually an enormously talented controller who today is my partner in helping me build a world-class finance team. So uh, we're still a relatively small team. I believe in lean teams. Uh, we've since added a staff accountant and a senior financial analyst, and we've got a couple of more heads in the, the budget for this year. Uh, so I think we've, we've hired a couple of you know really A players so that we're able to sort of leverage off of, of that uh, relatively lean team. But I also have responsibility for human resources, and uh, and that is probably where I spend even more time uh, just because, you know, so much of our growth is fueled by, uh, you know, we ended last year at 126 employees, and we expect to be 242 by the end of this year. So I spend a lot of time with the recruiting team, you know, making sure that we really have a recruiting engine that brings in top talent and onboards it quickly and so forth. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have one more startup CFO for you right after these words from our sponsor. U.S. Bank has an alternative for spelling impossible. It's I'm possible. When you work with U.S. Bank, you gain more than a financial services provider. You gain a trusted partner who understands your challenges and helps you to see what's possible. U.S. Bank's expertise in helping clients manage cash flow combined with its comprehensive payment solutions and outstanding customer service, make U.S. Bank a perfect strategic partner for your middle market business. U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbpayment.com slash middle market. I've been the first CFO now in four different technology startups that are um, VC or private equity, private equity-backed companies, and I think it takes a certain skill set as a CFO to be successful in these types of companies, and it's what I really love to do and have a passion to do. That's Kathy Moore, CFO of Psychotic. We asked Kathy to explain how she viewed the role of a finance leader inside a technology startup, and her comments quickly zeroed in on talent and workforce building. Here's Kathy. You definitely need to be a good leader of people because as you are growing a company, your success is really about hiring the right people underneath you. And a lot of the success in my career, I would tell you, is about the becoming really good at hiring talent. Uh, so that is absolutely uh, an essential skill. And then you really need to understand that you are just as responsible for reporting numbers to the CEO as you are to the investors. So you have a fiduciary responsibility to two different uh, groups of people, and sometimes they're not always uh, in agreement. I honestly think the main thing is the pace. And as a CFO in a early stage company, a lot of times there's not a COO brought in yet. 
So I would say that a lot of times people, when I tell them my just job description, they're like, so you're pretty much in charge of everything that ha- doesn't have to do with selling or um, developing the code. So I am responsible for HR and for facilities, all the lease negotiations, just many, many things that keep the business running that wouldn't be directly related to selling and product development. So you also have to have a, a, a very wide breadth of knowledge, but you still have to be deep in each area. You can't be you can't be wide and thin as a CFO of a startup company. You have to have a lot of depth in all those areas. What is that? What is it that you do well when it comes to finding the right people and even, I guess, onboarding them is such a key part of this. But what is it do you think that you are more thorough at, perhaps, or when it comes to hiring? I'm very thorough at writing the job description and making sure that not only is it do you say what you're going to do, but what skills it would take to be successful at it. and and then making sure that when you're screening the behavioral screening process, being a good interviewer and hire, hiring people could be a full-time job for anyone. So um, I've just put a lot of time and effort into um, understanding how to write a well-written job description that will make it easy for the people that are in the interviewing process to screen those candidates and making sure that we're asking the right questions to ensure that the not only can they technically do this job, but it's always the soft skills and the behaviors and traits that are hard for people to interview for. So you really have to ask situations that will reveal those traits. Um, and so it's a skill. And I, I understand the importance of it, so I, I've always made it a priority within any company I work to make sure that we have a really strong recruiting resource that um, is good at doing that job and able to help the managers that work under me write really good job descriptions and um, making sure that we you could if you write a good job description, you can screen a lot of people out that won't even want to do the job. And you'll you'll get a better pool of candidates. I suspect that along the way at a number of these startups that you brought in key hires, such as perhaps a controller or even the top HR person. My two prior companies, I've been been involved in really recruiting a COO, um, uh, the controller who directly reported to me, the HR um, director that reported to me. So I've actually been involved in hiring. Um, even on the engineering and software development team, all different, um, all different groups, the leaderships of those team, of those te- different groups. Want to get to Phycotic, of course. You arrive here. What is that next threshold you'd like to accomplish here? So I am, as I said, this will be now my fourth time of being the first CFO that was brought in after um, a company got financing. And so at Psychotic, I was so excited to come to this company because Inside Venture Partners was the investor. And this is a very rapidly growing uh, company. So the challenge for me in this role is this is a um, scale, how do we scale and how do we 
um, grow the business to capture the market opportunity that's in front of us. So, you know, I've been in other scenarios where it's been a turnaround um, or it was a very competitive market in telecom. But in this case, what my challenge is, and I'm excited to do, is I have to build the financial function out to um, provide support to the rest of the organization to grow and scale psychotic. Um, they doubled, we doubled our revenue just in the last year, and we doubled the amount of employees. So as you can imagine, my job now is to um, make sure the infrastructure is in place to support that amount of employees and that amount of revenue. So um, I, I came to this company because I was excited about the product, which I'll, we'll talk about. I was very excited to work with this management team. One thing I know after this many years of working in startup companies, the key to success is a very strong management team, which doesn't mean just a bunch of A players. It means a group of people that work well as a unit. And the other team members have worked together before and have had a successful track record together. I'm actually the only one on the team that hasn't worked together, so I'm probably like the wild card to them. But um, that was a really important thing to me because I know how important that is to the success. And then having insight as the financial backer, it just to me was such a great opportunity. And then the product is uh, in a part of cyber security that's a relatively new area, and it's it, there's not there's competition, but there's just there's a ton of opportunity and more than enough for two or three companies in the market. It's always interesting to pose a similar question to different finance leaders. And while their answers may include uh, a number of the same elements, very often they share something quite unique. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the CFO Fault Leader podcast on iTunes or Android users can find us on Stitcher. And don't forget to visit CFOFaultLeader.com where you can subscribe to the Mentoring Round, our weekly e-newsletter where finance leaders provide advice to other finance leaders. CFO Fault Leader is part of the Middle Market Executive Digital Network.